Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. So we are in this series called Next Gen, and it's really all about celebrating and anticipating the future of the church of Jesus Christ. And the whole idea behind this series was to invite three young men in our church, all around 30 years of age, who have dedicated their lives to full-time ministry to share a few words with you. Now, each of these individuals, you probably know them already. They've been serving in various aspects of the church ministry, children's ministry, youth ministry, worship ministry, and so forth. But, but now, rather than just being directors of ministry, all three are full-time ordained ministers of the gospel. They've been officially affirmed by our elder board as pastors. And that is a big, big deal. You know, if you missed the message a couple weeks ago, I would encourage you to go online, check that out. I talked about all the intensive work that goes into our ordination process. You know, it can take upwards to two years to complete this process. But by the time these guys are done, they are fully equipped for pastoral ministry. And just so you know, being ordained as a pastor, it's not necessarily a calling to be a preaching pastor, to be a senior pastor. A lot of pastors don't fill that role, but it is a recognition and it is an affirmation of spiritual gifting, vocational calling, theological grounding, and sound biblical character. And so in this series, we've actually asked these newly ordained pastors to share with you a little bit about their story, a little about their calling, their passion for ministry. And then also to issue a challenge to you based on a favorite passage of Scripture. And today, you're going to be hearing from a guy. His name is Pat Mize. And similar to Josh last week, I've got a long-standing history with Pat. Uh, We go back 25 years, to be exact. See, my oldest son, Nick, he and Pat were best of buds growing up here in the church. We actually have a nickname for Pat Mize around our house. We call him Thing Three, all right? Let me explain. How many of you know the Dr. Seuss cat in the hat? Yeah, you know that cartoon? Okay, you got thing one, thing two running around. Those were our nicknames for our oldest son, Nick. He was thing one. My youngest son, Nate, was thing two. Well, Pat was always around the house having meals, spending the night, so he became kind of an adjunct family member, and eventually he earned the title thing three. So let me tell you a little bit about thing three this morning. Uh, This guy, he is on fire for the Lord. He also has a deep, deep heart for people. I would say he's one of the coolest, nicest guys you will ever meet. He's been that way since he was a kid, actually. He's also very gifted, very talented. We've found, I've watched this over the years, whatever Pat puts his mind to, he does a good job at it. Years ago, we put him in charge of Summerfest, like our biggest outreach event here in the church. I mean, you're talking about coordinating hundreds of youth and adults and kids, and you've got booths and you've got budgeting, everything. He crushed it. I can remember many moons ago when he started volunteering in youth ministry, immediately he made bonds with the teenagers. He's very strong relationally. And then one day we said, hey, Pat, why don't don't you give teaching a try? And he got in there, and before long, it's like, man, this guy's an awesome teacher. I mean, the students are locked in when he's talking. And so today, Pat here in our church, he does all sorts of different ministries. Uh, He is our associate youth pastor, so he works a lot with our teenagers, But he works with our kids, he works in missions, he works in facilities. We call him the Swiss Army Knife around here, okay? He does it all, and he does it all really, really well. 
You know the reason for that? The reason for that is because Pat works hard. He is a hard worker. A number of years ago, he went to work for Cody Pools, and every time I would talk with him, I'd say, hey, how's it going over there? That's pretty good. I got another promotion, got another promotion, got another promotion. Like he was climbing the corporate ladder. He was making good money. But thankfully for us, his heart wasn't there. His passion, his heart is for the Lord, and it's for ministry. And so when the time came and things finally worked out, we had a staff position open here. We're like, come on, Pat, let's bring you in here and train you up, buddy. And he has been killing it ever since. And like I said, since he's kind of like family to me, uh, he holds a very special place in my heart, and I am super proud of this guy. So having said all that, how about a round of applause for thing three, uh, Pastor Patrick Mize. Where are you? There you are, Pat. Well, I'm excited to be here. Like Pastor Brian said, I do a lot of things at the church. Normally, during this service, I'm teaching junior high down at the youth house. I don't know if everyone knows we have a youth house, but we do. It's down over there. We do junior high. We do Wednesday night youth group. We do it here and there. It is a ton of fun. Ah, So we're finishing the last, or I guess uh, next generation. That's kind of the series that we're on. And they chose me to be last, you know. I think it's just because I'm the oldest, the most wise. You know, they, they wanted me to, you know, back clean up here. I'm just kidding. I don't want to brag. I don't want to boast. You can see by that video, I normally wear a hat. I didn't want to wear a hat up here because it's a sports team. I don't even want to mention the sports team. I, don't want, I want them to do well, right? And I wrote that joke earlier in the week. And then yesterday, my team, uh, they had a game. And I was, like, I was so pumped. It was 31 to 10. We're like going into the fourth quarter. And I'm like, we've got this in the bag. There's no way we can lose this game. I started texting people, which I never do, bragging, being like, our defense is killing it. I think when I sent send, then we had 21 unanswered points, and uh, we lost that game. Yeah, it was a huge upset. All college football is talking about that game right now. It's going to go down in history as one of those crazy upsets. So uh, I learned a valuable lesson, right? Don't make jokes. Don't brag. Don't do anything about your team up here because, you know, Pastor Brian knows that as well. I wanted to joke a little bit more about it, but I feel so bad for my team that I'm just like, I can't do it. We might go to some kind of bowl game, so I just can't do that to my team. But if you've been here watching the sermons, you've seen Josh and you've seen Troy talk about their testimonies, their story with God, and it's so cool just to see their gifts that they have and them using them in the church. They're awesome to work with. I enjoy them quite a bit. Uh, Pastor Brian, I think we're all 30. I think we are all exactly 30. Um, I'm the oldest by a month. I'm only a month older than Troy. So we're all pretty much the same age. I even grew up in the church with Josh, um, which was a lot of fun. But Pastor Brian came up to us and was talking to us about a life verse. And when he said that, I drew a blank. I had no idea. I was like, life verse? Oh, man, I don't think I got one of those. There's verses I use, right? But I didn't think I had a life verse. And when he says that, Josh and Troy, boom, they already had it. They were ready to go. They were like, yep, I know what I'm going to do. And I was like, oh, no, I got to think about this. And so I was thinking about it. I think it's just because I'm such a scholar. I just know so many verses. I was like, man, there's so many to pick from. No, I'm just just kidding, just kidding. Um, But later in that week, you know, as life goes and you have struggles, I got reminded of this verse because I have to go to this verse all the time. And so I was like, man, what a good opportunity to share a verse that's really close to me that I have to use. Um, when I was thinking about doing it as my life verse, I was like, nah, that's too simple. People know that verse. But man, I have to be reminded about it all the time. And I hope 
Not that I hope, but I hope that I will just always have this verse with me. And so I wanted to share that with you guys as well. But first, you know, we've been showing little kid pictures, so I had to do the same. I wanted to show you guys some pictures when I was younger. Like Brian said, I grew up in the church. Um, if you know me, um, I can sleep anywhere. It doesn't matter. Uh, if I'm tired, I'm going to sleep. So that's, that's a thing. Um, there's me wearing a, a cool hat. I don't know why my hand's in my cousin's pocket, but, you know, that's, that's what's going on there. And so in the middle, that is a picture of children's ministry here, not at this church. It is Hill Country Bible Church, but we were meeting at the high school back then. And so this is actually Pastor Brian's wife was our teacher, Wendy Threlkel. Um, the blonde dude, that's Nick, that's their son. I'm the one with the camel on my head. Um, it's funny, now that I'm you know, volunteering and helping out with children's ministry, you have those kids that you're like, oh man, they're full of energy and they're crazy. And I get reminded like, oh yeah, I was that kid. I was that kid that was like, oh man, he's here. So it's fun, it's fun to see that. Oh, even in the, uh, the bottom right, we even got Josh's sister in there. She was in my class. So a lot of fun. And so that's me growing up in the church. Um, when I was in children's ministry, I got to hear all those Bible stories. I became a Christian at a very young age, and I was even baptized. And so that story is probably very similar to anybody who's grown up in the church and became a Christian at a very young age. And it wasn't really until I got into junior high when I got to join the youth program at the church that I just was like, this is awesome. I loved youth group. I loved playing the games. I loved learning the complex stories of the Bible. I loved the fellowship with my friends. Those friends that I had in that youth group are still my best friends today. They're still a huge part of my life. I still know so many of those people because it was it's such an important part of my life. Because I don't know if it is the same for everybody, but for me, junior high is the first time I went through struggles right? When you're, you know, young, you know, you just rely on your parents. They got everything taken care of. In junior high, you start to question everything, right? You start to question your parents. And so I started just going through those, those struggles, the, uh, being a teenager, right? Thinking about girls, thinking about grades. Oh, I was not a good student. I was not. In uh, seventh grade, I think I had like a 12 in Spanish. I had like a 15 in math. Oh, we had a lot of like parent-teacher conferences, and I ended up becoming a better student. But back then, that was not me. It was not a student. Um, but junior high, I loved it. And so in junior high, I had those first struggles in my life. And because I was involved in the church, it made turning to God so easy. And some of those things I was involved with was one of them was called Backyard Bible Clubs. I don't know if you guys have heard of Backyard Bible Clubs when Brian was talking about Summerfest. That's really a celebration for Backyard Bible Clubs. And so I have got to experience Backyard Bible Clubs in all ways. I was a kid in the club. I was a teen leading the clubs. And I've actually been a leader leading the teens leading the clubs. So top left is me being a kid. That was 2001 when we did that one. It was in my backyard. And then this is me being a, a team captain on the top right, and the bottom two is just me being a, a, a team player there, being part of the team. You might notice I had crazier hair in junior high, very froish. I keep it short so it doesn't curl like that anymore, use lots of product, but that is my hair, super, super curly. That's why I wear a hat most of the time. I got it cut so I could not wear the hat for my team today. Um, but Backer Bible Clubs was definitely one of my favorite things about being in youth ministry one of my favorite things in junior high. So when I had those struggles and I was involved in the church, turning to God was easy, it was super easy. I was involved, I had people there, it was so easy to turn there. Then, you know, graduating high school, I told people I was gonna be in ministry. 
that is what I was going to do. When I was in eighth grade, we had a career day. Okay, I don't know if you know what a career day is, but you actually got to pick somebody that you knew and go with them for a day at work and check out their career. I chose my youth pastor because I loved being a youth group. I couldn't think of a better job than hanging out with kids, playing games, talking about Jesus. It seemed like the perfect job. And now that I'm doing it, guys, it is the perfect job. I love it. Uh, a month ago, I was at a trampoline park. We only had one broken bone, so not too bad, right? That was a lot of fun. Two weeks ago, we were bowling a frozen turkey at some pins, right? We call it the turkey bowl. We've been doing it for like 10 years now. It is, youth ministry is a lot of fun. And if you guys have never been involved with youth ministry or backyard Bible clubs, I'm putting a plug in. Guys, it's rewarding. It is so rewarding to do, and it's so much fun. So as you guys start to hear about Backyard Bible Clubs coming around, if you're thinking about volunteering for youth ministry, we can use you. It's a lot of fun. So think about that. But as I got older, like I said, I told everybody I was going to go into ministry. You know, I had graduation cards. I sent them out to everybody. Full-time ministry, that's where I'm going. But that's not what happened. I actually only went into full-time ministry about four or five months ago. So long time in between high school and, and four or five months ago. But what started to happen was after I told people I wanted to go into ministry, and that's what I thought, I graduated and next steps, right? And I started to let something creep in, and it was worry. It was stress. I started having these thoughts of, maybe I'm not good enough to go into ministry. I wasn't a good you know, kid in school. You know, I, I have a tough time reading sometimes. I have a tough time writing essays. So I was like, ooh, maybe, uh, maybe preaching and doing youth pastor stuff is not for me. And so I started thinking about being in business. I just was like, you know what, business degree. And so that's kind of where my life started going. And it's, it's crazy that this worry sent me just on a different path. And it was never a path that I would have chose, but I let worry and anxiety and all of that just change my dreams. And crazy, because it was always my dream, and I've come back to it pretty quick after. It was only about a year or two. I really got to struggle in that until I was like, yep, youth ministry. But because my path changed, it took a lot longer to get there. So I encourage you guys to take some of these lessons, because it, it will help you in your life for sure. And so after... I graduated, we had definitely some tough times going on, but what I want you guys to have some statistics, okay? So I don't know if you guys have heard of this organization, but it is American Anxiety and Depression Association. In 2020, they did a survey, and the survey was mental health related. And one of the questions and one of the statistics that came from that survey was anxiety is the most common mental disorder in the U.S. And when I say mental disorder, this is to the point of anxiety is keeping you from doing anything, anything. And that's, that's huge. You know, that can bring you to that point. And so that is the most, right? The people who filled out this survey, 47% said they experience anxiety and stress on a daily basis. That is huge. It says that 40 million adults suffer with it. And that's in, in, in the U.S., right? We're a little bit over 330,000 Americans in the U.S. So not a huge percentage, but what I, this study was in 2020. I couldn't find a more current study. There's tons of information. There's tons of studies that are going on right now. But man, the last two years, these numbers have changed dramatically. They're way bigger than they used to be. I can't give you specifics on it because the studies that I've read weren't finished yet with all the statistics, but man, 
that's a problem. That can keep you from doing anything. That can keep you from being great. And so when you have trouble in your life, when you have stress and you're handling it by worrying, it's not gonna get you anywhere. And the way I like to think of worrying, I want you guys to think of a, a picture in your head, right? So close your eyes. I want you guys to think of it. Think of a rocking chair. You guys know what a rocking chair is? Yeah? Sun City knew right away. So I hope you guys know what it, what it is too. You can open your eyes. That's all I wanted you to do is think of a rocking chair, okay? But a rocking chair, when I think of worrying and I think of a rocking chair, they both give you something to do, but they get you nowhere. It's not productive to be in a rocking chair, right? You're staying in one spot. It's not productive to worry. It's getting you nowhere. It's not gonna do anything for you. But it's so interesting, because you can see that, you can know that, but when you get in times of stress and anxiety and you start questioning things, worry is the first thing to pop up. It's, it's almost innate, like it's so easy to worry. You don't have to think about it, it just happens. Am I right? Do you guys worry? If not, this lesson is for you to tell somebody else, right? If you don't worry, then this is not for you. But I bet you know somebody who does worry. And so when I think of anxiety, when I think of stress, when I think of worry, and it comes to the Bible, I'm always thinking about Paul, because Paul had stuff that he could have worried about, right? Paul was stoned. It was beaten. Paul had a tough life, for sure. And what I love about the letter that we're going to be reading in Philippians is when he wrote this letter, he was in prison. I don't think I could write a letter in prison and the whole letter being about joy. That's rough. I don't think I could do that, but Paul did that. And it's so cool that we get to use this letter as an example in our lives as well. And we get to use the skills and the things that he taught this church, and we get to use it today. Um, for children's ministry's sake, we can't go through the whole letter, right? I, th those teachers have so much time, I'll go 40, 45 minutes if we go through that whole letter. We could even do a couple sermon series on the letter of Philippians and Philippi. So today we're just going to be in chapter 4, but I want to give you guys a little bit of a background of what's happening in this letter. So in the very beginning of this letter, the whole reason, not the whole reason, but a big part of the reason Paul wrote this letter was very practical, Okay, so Paul wrote this letter because the church of Philippi sent a member to him to give him a financial gift, right? Not a financial gift, but maybe a financial way to live because he's in prison, okay? You didn't always have the food. You didn't have everything you needed. People had to support you while you were there. And so that's what was happening. There was a member of that church that was coming there to give him this gift of support, okay? And so he was writing this letter to thank them. And what he does in the very beginning is he thanks God for them. Thanks God for what they're doing and just thanks God for who they are. Just to be reminded of them because that gives him encouragement, which I think is so, so cool. Paul says in this letter to rejoice in all situations. I'll take that if you're in jail and you're saying that, right? Like there's got to be something. Like what is he doing that we can do as well? He also gives examples. He gives example about Timothy and how he's living a life like Christ. He gives examples of that member who came to visit him, how he's living a life like Christ. Paul even gives examples of his own life. He gives examples of him getting persecuted continuously because Paul, if you remember, used to kill Christians, right? He used to kill people who were following Jesus, and now he's following Jesus. People know that, and he's asking other people to follow him as well, and so he got persecuted for that. But you know what? Paul's reply was about getting persecuted for that and what Paul's reply was for being in prison? Don't worry about it. It's all right. He even said in this letter that when he was in prison, that it was going good, that he was able to do a lot of ministry in that time, 
that he was able to minister to the guards. He was able to minister to people outside and encourage them outside of the prison to encourage them as, and, as well. And I think that is so, so cool that he was able to do that. So today, we're going to be flipping over to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. So it's going to be on the screen, or you guys can pop up in your Bibles. But I want to read that for you guys. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ. Paul said not to worry about anything, but in everything, give thanks. All right. We just had Thanksgiving, right? So you guys probably have some things in mind that you can be thankful for, right? Right? Yeah? Hey, guys, Sun City was way more awake than you guys, man. We were, we were talking back and forth here, okay? So, right? Like, there are so many things to be thankful for. We have tons of blessings. And if you can't think of anything, you're just in a negative mood, right? And everything is not going your way. There is no reason to be blessed. There is no reason to be thankful. Guess what? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. There is always a reason to be thankful in any situation. Like, that is huge, that is so big. And I think Paul really understood that. And it's funny. When we worry, I think prayer is one of the last things on our mind. That, for me at least. When I worry, I'm thinking about how do I handle this situation. I'm trying to think of all the different things that can be thrown at me. But Paul's saying, don't worry. But in everything, through prayer. So what I want you guys to remember is whenever you worry, that's an invitation to pray. All right? Anytime. You worry, throw that in prayer immediately. Because if you can do that first, oh, your life will be so much easier, right? What God can do if you come to him in prayer is he can give you peace. He will guard your heart and your mind. Oh, that's awesome. I need my, my mind and my heart guarded a lot. There are so many things I can think about. There are so many things in this world. And when I think about God and I think about how big he is and I think about all the things that I'm thankful for, even when I'm just thinking about that and when I come to prayer in that way, my problems already seem smaller. The little problems that I have, the little stress that I had. I think it's funny, you know, I'm a lot older than junior high and high school now, but when I think of those problems and how silly they were, they deterred my life to a different direction. And I, it, it's so important to realize what the root of that was. And it was that I was just worried. I didn't trust that God was going to take care of that situation. Don't know if I was thinking of it that way, but that is exactly what my actions showed. It showed I was sitting in a rocking chair, not doing anything and not trusting in anything while I had a different option. What you think about is so important that God says he's going to protect your heart and your mind. Jesus talks about what you think about. He also talks about worrying. So I want you guys to flip over to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And Jesus is going to give us a little insight about worrying. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life more important than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the sky. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying a single hour to your life, or add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Oh, God is powerful. We don't have to worry. We're literally called not to worry at all, to give everything to him in prayer. That's encouraging. That is so encouraging that he can handle that, that we don't have to worry about it because there is enough things to worry about in the day. There is a lot of distractions that we have out here. It, it, it's tough out there. God cares about what you think about. He cares. Sometimes when I'm praying or sometimes when I'm thinking about the situations that I'm going in, I don't always tell God right? I just assume that he knows. But man, he cares about those details. He cares about every little detail that you're going through. So give those up to him. Because not only are you giving everything to God, you're taking those off your shoulders, you're building into that relationship. You know, when you have friends and you're struggling and you talk to them, right? And you guys get to communicate with that. Maybe you're struggling with the same thing. Maybe they're encouraging you and asking you about that later. Does that relationship build? Yes. Boom. All right. Man, <laughs> Sun City was really good at this, guys. I don't know. I mean, but from what Jesus is saying, one of the biggest things is to keep a mindset of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, right? That is a huge mindset to keep. If you can keep that, that mindset, you're going to be doing really well. What that's going to do is that's going to make you focus on God immediately when you're worrying about things. But I've got a question, if I can find it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, when I need guidance to make a decision, where do you go first? Do you go to, thank you. Do you guys go to the perspective of the world or God's perspective? Because I don't know about you guys, but for me, I have treated God like a spare tire sometimes, right? Last resort right? I, I can't move. I've got my flat tire. I'll use it as a spare tire. It's like the last thing I'm thinking of to get to it. But if you can keep that kingdom mindset, it becomes one of the worst things or one of the first things that you're thinking of. Paul continues in Philippians. I want you guys to flip over to eight or nine, or it's going to be up on the screen right here. Finally, brothers and sisters. I always like that in a letter because that means we're wrapping up, right? That means we're, we're almost done with that letter. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything more excellent, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be upon you. Dwell on positive things. Give everything up 
to God in prayer. He's in control. He is bigger than all of our problems. The funny thing is when I pray for things, it's always to fix these little problems. And sometimes when I give it up to God, he fixes it in ways I would have never guessed. He fixes it in ways that blow my mind and I wouldn't have believed it unless I was there to see it happen. God can do that when it comes to prayer. Prayer is so, so powerful. I've got a quote from a great theologian, and his name is Arnold Schwarzenegger, all right? A lot of people hate this quote. I've used it in junior high and high school before, and even being a youth guy, I hate it a little bit, but it's part of a motivational speech, so I'll fill you in on the quote, because you might hate it as well. His quote is, if you have a plan B, then you're never, never fully focused on plan A, and that is a big mistake. And man, that's interesting to think, especially as a youth guy working in youth ministry, because I've got a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? There are so many things that can go wrong. I want to plan ahead of that. But when we're talking about worrying, plan A, give it to God. Don't need to worry about a plan B. And I like using it that kind of an example, because what Arnold is saying is when you have a plan B, you're taking away from your plan A, right? By having a plan B, you're saying, no way plan A is working out. So when we're told not to worry about anything by a God who can handle everything, right? We don't need to have a plan B. That's just going to take away from what we're doing. Arnold, he did great things, right? Mr. Olympian, right? He was a governor. He did some great things, and he never focused on a plan B. Youth ministry, that's crazy, man. I'm going to have some plan Bs, right? But when it comes to God, I don't need one, and I think that's so cool. When I think of Arnold, I think of a big guy. I think of a bouncer, right? Kindergarten cop, he's that potty pooper, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so I want you guys to think of you being a bouncer as well. God says he's going to guard your heart and your mind, which means it's important to do so. So you're a bouncer. And guess what? You're at a party and the venue is your mind and your heart. There's only a few people on that guest list. Those people are truth, honor, justice, purity, loveliness, um, commendability, uh, moral excellence, and praiseworthiness. That's it. I guess it's the beard. Um, but that's it. That's all that's invited into that party. Anybody else comes in, you're not supposed to dwell on those things. Give it up to God. Don't worry about it. Don't have anxiety. Give that straight up to God. When I was in seventh grade, I had to pass a test. I always forget what it's called now. They changed the name of this test like every year, but for me, it was called the tax test. And it was just this test that you had to pass to get to the next grade. It's just like a state test. You know, everybody's got to pass it. I Forget what it is now, but for me, it was the tax. And I was not a great student. So when it came to doing this test, and it was a language arts test, oh, I was worried. A little bit dyslexic, dysgraphic. I struggle with reading and writing. So for me to pass this test, I was like, oh, no. So I was in junior high. I was involved in the church. So I started praying about it. I started telling people about it. My parents helped me pray for it. We, it, was a, it was a struggle with everybody because everybody knew that I was struggling. And then when it was time to take the test, I took the test. I was prepared as much as you can be for a standardized test like that. I had a good breakfast. I had a good night's sleep. And so day of the results come in, right? I'm sitting in class, and the teacher and all the students, they don't care. They all knew they passed that test. Well, I am, oh, did I pass? What's going to happen? What's going to go on? And it's super interesting because one by one, the teacher's like, hey, do you just care if I call it out? And I'm like, no this cannot happen. And she's just telling people like pass fail. 
So I was like, ah, okay, that's not that bad. If they heard I fail, I can be like, ah, oh, barely, right? Like, that's a bummer. Um, so she's going pass, fail, pass, fail. Everyone's passing. No one's failing. You know, I assume the teacher knew no one failed. That's why she did this. Um, but they picked me to be last. And so I'm waiting there hearing pass, 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 pass. And I'm like, oh, man, this is getting rough. And then the teacher comes to me, last student, and she goes, hey, do you care if I tell the student what grade you got? And I was like, no, you're not going to tell them what grade I got. No, thought she was just trying to embarrass me at this point. And she goes, well, I'm going to do it anyways. She goes, hey, Pat was one of five students out of the state of Texas that got a perfect score. Yeah, really good at cheating, guys. Really good. No, no, that, that's all God. That's, that was the God thing. My dad, he'll tell you that was the Avocare Spark thing, right? Because, you know, I had one of those. I, I was focused. Uh, but, you know, there's some prayer there too, right? So, but that's so crazy. I was praying to pass. Right? I wasn't praying to get a perfect score. God is amazing. God can do everything. And I know it's a silly example of me being in middle school trying to pass a test. But man, that can apply to everything. And if you can live a life of no worry and giving, up to the God, giving that up to God, that's a life of freedom. That's a life to do what you need to do. That's a life to, to accomplish great things. All right. Got one more story for you, and I will let you guys go. There was this guy. He worked in an office, and he was known as a worry wart, right? Always worrying, always staying late, always getting early, making sure projects got done on time, just always stressed out, and he just didn't seem like he was living a good life. He just always seemed to be a little bit upset. One day, he comes into the office, and he's skipping. Everybody's like, what? Skipping in the office? He comes in, and he's, he's excited. He's full of joy. And everybody's, everybody has to know, hey, what's different? What is going on in your life that is different now? And he goes, I have hired somebody to take care of all my worry. So when I worry, I get to give it to them. It's like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I might want to do that. So they started asking, like, so what are you paying this guy? And he goes, $200,000. And everybody's like, what? Dude, you don't even make a third of that. How are you going to pay him? And he goes, that's not for me to worry about. That's his job. <laughs> so we don't have to have $200,000. To not worry about something, we can give that up to God right away. Just make sure you're doing that in prayer because that is so, so important. We serve a huge God. And so I've got a challenge for you guys. Um, Paul, at the end, he, he says, he doesn't say, do what Jesus does. He doesn't say, do what I say. He says, follow the example that I am given. He talks about Timothy and he says, follow the example that Timothy is given. So who are your examples? Who are you being an example for? Because authentic community, a community here that will keep us dwelling on the kingdom, oh, that is so important to have. Because if I didn't have people in the church, if I didn't grow up in the church, I don't know if I would have continued to go back to God so many times in my life when I let worry kind of take over. So I hope that you guys can do the same. When you worry, pray. Thank you, guys.